Hello again, and thanks for checking out the Longevity Now podcast. Do you appreciate how hard it is to cure age-related disease? In spite of all the incredible headlines you read about fantastic interventions to improve human health and completely cure diseases, people are still aging at about the same pace as 20 or 30 years ago. People are still dying of heart disease and Alzheimer's. Debilitating conditions still develop for everyone getting on in years. Thus, we should celebrate and support those researchers and organizations who don't give up no matter how difficult the challenge. In this episode, you will hear from one of those researchers who has been tackling the aging problem year after year after year and remains very positive on the prospects for progress. And now on the Longevity Now podcast, I'd like to welcome someone who hardly needs an introduction because she has appeared a couple of times before and is one of the world's most prominent stem cell researchers. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Alexandra Stolzik. Hi, nice to be here. Well, before we talk about the present or the future, let's step back a little bit. Longevity members might remember that we helped to fund some research uh, a few years ago into microglia stem cells as a potential therapeutic, I believe, for Alzheimer's or other cognitive uh, disabilities. And I just wanted to know if you could give us kind of a review of how that went and if it led anywhere uh, to any future or new research directions. Okay, this is a very long story and uh, potentially... We, don't worry. Very... It's a long story. <laughs> We've got time. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So um, we did a microglia transplantations. We did like a first round of transplantation in Alzheimer mice and we got some very preliminary positive uh, responses in the mice. Uh, we however found out that there are many types of microglia cells um so what we what we did was that we took this first round of data and applied for uh, governmental funding and this is actually a funding which is still running currently and what we're doing in this project is that we're taking this first very naive approach of like okay we take microglia cells we transplant them everything is fine and we have kind of divided it a little bit more and in that we are taking what is currently called kind of an M2 microglia type. So there's there are many types of macrophages or microglia around. So um, there's the M1, which is pro-inflammatory, but also phagocytotic active, which uh, should be positive, but it is inflammatory. So the, the decision was to go and say, okay, we really want to make in vitro M2 type microglia cells because they can be phagocytotic active, but they are not pro-inflammatory. So what we currently are doing is taking this first round of knowledge of how to make microglia cells and how to make them stable and uh, to inject them into the animals. And we're testing them in Alzheimer mice again. And again, it looks very positive. This time around, we also have behavioral uh, studies included, and they are also positive. But I would say we're still learning. So the current question is also of how to deliver the cells. So one of the big questions we're investigating currently is not only which microglia cell type should we use, is M1 or a mixture or M2 better? And um, the other question is, should we inject them IV in a, in a tail veil or should we inject them straight into the brain? 
or should we um, take them via the nose? So the current project is looking at all of these delivery ways. So hopefully at the end of the experiments, we will see if one or the other way of delivering the cells is better. So in the past, the funding from uh, longevity was on just tail vein injections. But you might imagine that like maybe a nasal trans, yeah, a nasal delivery might be more appropriate. But I'm not 100% sure that this is uh, really better. But we have to wait, I think, round about another year or so until we have all the data together. So it looks great. Uh, we haven't published the therapeutic side of the microglia study. We have started with the first kind of just biodistribution of the cells. And we had also published the intranasal delivery of the microglia cells. So these two papers are already out. We're holding a little bit back with the therapeutic side of it because we wanted to look what the second round of experiments would bring um, because we would want to tie it to the um, answer of the question of like what delivery route is best. Well, thank you for that summary there, Alexandra. I was just thinking now as far as uh, I should have maybe prefaced this little discussion, you know, from uh, the microglia research that you're hoping that the microglia, uh, the different types of microglia will be able to enter the brain and then eventually digest amyloid beta and other indigestible type uh, junk, correct? Yeah, so I would say the, the very first idea was that the microglia cells would actually be replaced. So because microglia cells are senescent um, as much as other cell types are senescent. So basically they're non-functional, they don't phagocytose protein material. So we were just thinking, okay, we just replaced them with new ones, made in vitro, everything is cool. But I think it's now down to that microglia cells are modulating the environment of the brain, but they're also helping local microglia cells apparently to digest what kind of like protein material hangs around. And yes, we see that amyloid plaques are going down, but I mean, that is an in, it's right. a very bad model. Well, I know. I was wondering if you had any thoughts, just a little sidebar here on the progress of Alzheimer's research over the last decade or so, because there's been a lot of money that has gone toward that. And there have been many uh, large pharmaceutical companies who have developed uh, various therapeutics that can digest the protein junk that uh, accumulates in the brain, uh, but none of them have been termed exactly successful. Yes, they are able to clear some of the plaques out of the brain and uh, other types of protein you know, junk, but the human subjects anyway haven't always shown any signs of uh, increased cognitive capability. Do you have any idea or theory in your mind as to why uh, that isn't working out as nicely as many people had expected, that type of therapeutic? Okay, now it's down to my uh, maybe heretic belief that or conclusion that Alzheimer is not a distinctive disease. It is actually, for me, just, just normal aging. Um, it's just that you have maybe bad genes, a bad environment, a bad kind of like life history and it makes you more more likely to get Alzheimer earlier in life but I think that um, ultimately we all would get Alzheimer if we just wait enough so this is first thing so I think 
investigating Alzheimer is kind of distracting us from understanding aging. Uh, so this is kind of linked. Yes, there has there have been many, many new bits of information about what the disease is, how it's progressing, how you can detect it, but we don't really understand it. And we're working really with, with very bad models. And I think it's the models which are inhibiting translation in the moment. So everything works in mice. We can, we can, as we often say with aging research, we can cure mice, but we can't cure humans. So in the moment, working with all of these Alzheimer models, saying everything is down to the amyloid plaque. No, it's not. Yes, I can clear off amyloid plaques. Uh, but as you said, it doesn't mean that there is cognitive improvement. And I think as long as the research community is too much focusing on these very artificial models, I think we will not be progressing. Okay, well, let's move to the present, uh, which includes a move by you. Uh, you used to be at the Fraunhofer Institute in Germany, and now uh, you are a senior lecturer at Loughborough uh, University in England. And I was wondering uh, what uh, precipitated that move? Oh, it's a very basic and easy explanation. My contract in Germany was running out. Um, there wasn't any other money around, and there was also no opportunity to progress, so really to advance. There was no permanent position available, there was no senior position available, and so that was for me the prompt to look around where there might be another good place to do research. And Loughborough is known to be doing translational research uh, is very applied and it's um, specifically looking at kind of covering the gap, uh, this translational gap of yes, there was a small study in humans in a cell therapy and it worked and now you want to um, bring it into a company-like style, you want to bring it to the masses and you want to do mass production of cells. And that's where I thought, okay, this is really an exciting place to be um, because it uh, it's interacting with companies which currently have cell therapies working and they just want to get like solutions to be able to mass produce the cells. And mass production of cells leads straight to aging because I think what the field hasn't really looked at is, is that there's in vitro aging, there is senescence and that naturally for an aging researcher it is understandable that that means also that cell function changes so i thought there's a good place to be uh it's it's near to translation they are interested in working with companies and uh, they currently don't have any biologists which understands aging so i think it was a natural fit so that what brought me to Loughborough. <laughs> okay. And then I was wondering, besides uh, your microglia research and your stem cell research, are there any other uh, avenues that you're pursuing right now? Any other research interests that uh, you uh, continue to pursue? Okay. So a little bit of um, research linked to the cell therapy is the cryopreservation. So I have started looking a lot at cell cryopreservation simply because it is often a necessity to cryopreserve your cells. And I'm not very happy of what we currently have. Um, again, it is linked to stress and aging of cells um, because the pr pr procedures are very stress intensive and the cells are not as functionally active as after cryopreservation. So this is another bit of, of research which I have picked up and there are currently a couple of uh, smallish research grants on this one. Another project uh, which I'm currently involved in is a 
Horizon 2020, so it's a European-funded uh, collaborative project, and that is um, development of an endothelial-based cell and gene therapy for hemophilia A. So you will ask me, hemophilia A has nothing to do with aging. Yes, it's correct. However, it's a monogenetic disease. So for me, the reason to be involved was that I would gain experience in combining gene therapy with cell therapy. And I think for aging applications, it is necessary to manipulate your cells because we're learning now so much about like what genes are failing, what signals are missing, what proteins are downregulated with aging, but are necessary. And I think there is where we could nicely combine the natural ability of some cells to help regeneration together with delivering a specific protein. So this was a good reason for me to get involved. Um, there's also other aspects of cell aging involved because again, we need a lot of cells. We need to cryopreserve the cells. So it's kind of a ni nice package. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. And I was just wondering now, you mentioned previously earlier that uh, when you started with the microglia research, all of a sudden you found there were several types of microglia. And when you work with different cell types, all of a sudden you realize that there are many, many, many different signaling mechanisms that are telling the cell to do this and to do that. And it is very complicated. Do you see that there is more effort in the world or more in-depth knowledge of the way metabolism and aging works together to help researchers take a more comprehensive view of you know various diseases or aging in the fact that i mean you know in the past people might come up with one single small molecule therapeutic and they do it in uh, they they use it to cure some cells in a petri dish right and then they say wow, this is going to work. We're going to cure this particular disease. We'll just inject it into a person and wow, it's going to work. But then, well, there's a thousand other different types of interactions that are preventing, you know, that one single molecule from doing its job or its purpose. So um, do you see more collaboration in that regard for researchers like yourself that are on the ground floor in the lab, uh, making sure that you're accounting for a lot of this that happens during aging? Okay, this is a very complex um, answer. So let me start uh, with phase one. Uh, so phase one, did we learn more about how cell metabolism changes with aging and kind of the interlinking? Yes, we have so much data now that we don't understand it anymore because there's so much data from many, many research labs that the problem currently is to integrate that understanding and to make it um, digestible. Yeah, so I, I could I could have so much data and I could do so many manipulations of my cells now that I'm lost. Uh, I don't know where to start. So this is the first problem, integration and modeling. I think it is absolutely necessary to start modeling and do more in silico um, experimentation before I translate it into an experiment. Second question is, do I know more about like what, what factor I need and can I start combining them? And this is, um, Yes, in principle, I can have a cell expressing 10 different proteins which are necessary to do something good um, in the animal. However, this usually requires me to do a lot of parallel experiments because um, either I do a dirty experiment and I, I just have control 
and cells which have 10 factors. And I just look for, does it have some rejuvenation effect? Um, but it is very difficult to get funding for such an approach because it is in the normal academic world not very, um, yeah, very much appreciated because it's dirty. We don't understand what they are all doing, as you said, like what is the interaction? So unless you also study an interaction, you wouldn't get funding, which brings me to kind of more is other research going on and are there other avenues uh, to kind of like pursue? Yes, I think we have to stop uh, or I have maybe to stop looking at funding from academia and uh, go other routes or crowdfunding activities like the Major Mouse project was exactly that, that I wanted to start combining factors and test them in mouse because every little factor might be giving me a 10%, maybe a 5% or maybe a 3% life extension, but combining them might be synergistic, maybe not, but we definitely would learn something about it. So Okay. Now, like many other researchers that I talk to around the world, uh, they always bring up, you know, where do you get the funding for, you know, complicated research like this or even, you know, rejuvenation research. It's even tougher uh, to get funding, it seems. For the longevity people out there who are very uh, advocacy-oriented, what do you think is the best focus for them to increase funding for researchers such as yourself? It, does it help to create new links with the business community, perhaps? Uh, grant writing or crowdfunding? Uh, what would you place your bets I, on? Yeah, I would... Currently, I bet more on the crowdfunding. Um, yes, there's more money in companies, and um, the the only drawback with the companies is that, okay, at least they get interesting now in re in aging as an application, as as an area where they are interested in funding in um, new products. But we're still talking about products, and if you consider aging research, there will never be like quick products around the corner or you diverging from your goal, which what is then the benefit of getting into a company? A company usually, I see the benefit is like, you give me money, I do the research, you get the results. So I don't have to do teaching, I don't have to like do grant writing, all of this kind of time consuming stuff. But then if they tell me, okay, I have to have a product in three years or maybe even in two years because their investors want something uh, and this is their normal model, then that doesn't work. So I'm more on the side of, of crowdfunding, even if, if this is smaller money and um, might need some kind of like getting used to. There have been activities in the past where people have started with the crowdfunding and then found an investor which said like, okay, I'll give you money um, and, and how much money do you need? And I think this is the better approach. So if people want to help, then help with the crowdfunding activities because there's a lot of things involved like, creating a homepage, um, talking to people, explaining it, just getting it out there. And scientists usually are not very good at it or don't have the time for it. So, and, and this can be done by everyone around, kind of around the world. So if there's somebody sitting in another country, in another time zone, and they have another network than me, that uh, will really help a lot. And I must say, and with the mouse, major mouse project, I was very, very lucky that I had such an active and fantastic team. And without them, that wouldn't have happened. So that's my bet. 
All right. Well, thank you very much once again, Dr. Stolzing, for joining us on Longevity Now. And thank you very much. I don't know if anyone has said this enough to keeping uh, good links with the longevity crowd over the past decade. As I mentioned earlier, you've been on the uh, podcast a couple of times in the past and uh, continue to do great work uh, for rejuvenation research. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Dr. Stolzing's lab is a longevity affiliate lab, which means it passes a high bar for quality and effectiveness in regards to our life extension mission. You can donate to the Longevity Affiliate Labs at any time on the forum homepage. Look for the donation box on the right-hand side of the screen. With continued funding, hopefully we can continue to support those who are in it for the long haul. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.